Thank you to our strings for focusing our hearts and our minds on Jesus this morning. It's wonderful. We have four music teachers up here. And Eric likes to say up late into the night. I get emails from him. Here's the music late at night. Uh, so he can write music for us to enjoy as a family. So it's a great thing for us to be a body of Christ. Psalm 26, 6 through 7 says, I go about your altar, Lord, proclaiming aloud your praise and telling of all your wonderful deeds. Lord, I love the house where you live, the place where your glory dwells. The choir starts our service doing just that. They're reminding us to proclaim aloud God's praise and tell of all his wonderful deeds. Proclaim the Lord, for he is good, God of gods and Lord of lords. Proclaim the Lord, yes, he is good, his steadfast love endures. Who alone performs great wonders, who alone made heaven and earth. Who created all the light, the sun by day and moon by night, our Lord, for he is, he is responsively left side and right side from Psalm 103 together. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, 
so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul.
recite from the Apostles' Creed together. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. On the third day, Before you have a seat, I encourage you to find someone that you have never met before. This means you might have to move a little bit and see if you can get to know their name and how long they've been at the church. Good morning, church family. It's good to be here worshiping the Lord in the company of the saints. And it is a blessing to greet one another on a beautiful morning like this. Beautiful morning. I want to invite the ushers to um, take their places as we prepare to give God from our offerings. He has been gracious and good to us, and He has blessed us with... Um, 
strength to work and blessings in our households. So the word says that uh, in the way that we have received graciously, we graciously give to the Lord. Uh, you may pass the plates now. I want to remind you that there are other ways that here in Wheaton Bible Church we give our offerings. One is uh, by placing it on the, on the plate. Another one is going to wheatonbible.org slash give. Send your offering to the church office. I want to tell you a story while, while we are um, blessing the Lord with our offerings. Um, you remember last Sunday, we, we started three Sundays ago this sermon series on uh, the greatest story. And last Sunday, Pastor Hannibal preached about the purpose of vocation, how God gave us purpose to all mankind, and how with our works and with our vocation, with our jobs and with our employments, we are actually giving God glory and honor. We are fulfill, fulfilling His command to create culture. But at the same time, we are being witnesses of God's goodness in this creation. So we understand that whatever we do, whatever is your job, whatever, you, whatever is your activity that you do during the week, you are honoring God with that. And the light of Christ is shining in our neighborhoods, schools, workplaces, everywhere by the work of our hands. But also, around the world, we have the blessing to send missionaries all over the world that whatever they're doing, they are doing exactly the same. They are giving God's glory. They're giving glory to God in their vocations Missionaries sent down from Wheaton Bible to love the nations in Jesus' name through the different skills or roles. It might be Bible translations, refugee ministries, lifting up the vulnerable children and youth through technology, healthcare, education, counseling, reaching, and so much more. Well, one missionary couple that you support through giving to Wheaton Bible Church is Jonathan and Cindy Rainey. And both grew up in Papua, Papua, Indonesia as children of missionaries. And today they work for Mission Aviation Fellowship. I want to invite you to watch this video together. For over 75 years, MAF has been overcoming the enormous barriers facing the most remote communities of the world. What started off as the dream of a couple of Christian Air Force pilots is now a global movement with 138 aircraft flying in more than 28 countries and using more than 1,400 airstrips. That's more than any other airline in the world. And with each airstrip being used by multiple communities, we are able to reach hundreds of thousands of people. But the best news is, we're just getting started. We want to invite you to join us in this ministry. By partnering with MAF, you are also partnering with 2,000 organizations that depend on us to achieve their vision. Your help means that lives are saved, that community development is achieved, and that the gospel is delivered. So join with us today and bring real hope to remote communities across the world. We praise God for the way that he uses his people with his unique gifts and abilities to reach the world. 
with uh, decades of experience as a pilot, uh, WBC missionary Jonathan Rainey now serves as the VP of Safety and Quality for All Mission Aviation Fellowship. 138 aircraft flying in 28 countries on 1,400 airstrips, reaching hundreds of thousands of people. In his annual report last December, Jonathan wrote this, By the Lord's hands, Mission Aviation Fellowship, entire 2023 operations were completed without any accident or injury. And we praise God for that. Yes. Let's pray. Uh, Father, uh, we are thankful for the way that you use your children, the way that you use the church, ways that you use us as instruments of your grace to proclaim your goodness to this broken world. We we'll thank you for uh, Brother Jonathan and Cindy Rainey and what they're doing with Missionary Evasion Fellowship. We thank you for the way that they are using their gifts and skills to bless the nations. And we thank you that you have given us also abilities to bless our communities. So Lord, as we continue in this journey through Scripture, being mindful of the greatest story and the story of you pursuing your bride, we open our heart this morning as we have sang and proclaimed your praises worship your holy name would you holy spirit of god reveal to us the sacred word of god that it will bring transformations into our hearts renewal of our minds so that we may be more and more like jesus we pray lord for every one of our services today here in Wheaton bible church we pray for our contemporary service we pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will move in hearts and minds and that they will declare your glory together. We pray for our Spanish service later on. We pray for our, another traditional service after this. We pray, Lord, that for a whole church family, you will continue to do your work in us. And we also pray for churches around us, churches that are friends and brothers and sisters. Uh, we have the common call and the common calling of proclaiming Jesus to this county. We pray, Lord, that your spirit will move in each one of those places, that you will bless those church, local church bodies. And we pray now, Lord, that you will speak to us by your holy word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word, and today's readings is from Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 13, then 21 to 24, and then we'll go to chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. The Word of God says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field than the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually said, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. 
For God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Verse 21. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the garden of Eden he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to the guard, the way to the tree of life. Chapter 4, verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, would you not be accepted? And if you do not well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, I'm very grateful to be here this morning bringing the word of God to you. And the bulletin says that Hannibal Rodriguez is preaching, but uh, my name is Sergio Villanueva. And uh, uh, I, I don't have the, the spectacular Colombian accent that Hannibal has. Uh, mine is a little more a broken Mexican accent. Uh, hopefully we'll go through this together. Uh, I've been serving, actually, um, February 1st. I celebrated my 19 years here serving in Wheaton Bible Church. And it, it's been a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought that I should wait to say this 
next year when I turn 20, but I said, well, 19 is also another year to celebrate. Why should I wait to turn 20? Uh, it's my blessing to, to, to bring the God's Word uh, this morning. And uh, as we go through this series that I was mentioning before, the greatest story, the last three sermons that we have gone through, it has been in this chapter. We divided the whole series in four chapters. Chapter 1, it was creation. Chapter 2 is the fall. And then we'll come to chapter 3, the redemption and restoration later on. But today we start this chapter 2 of our sermon series, The Fall, the story of pain. This is when sin enters the world. And the way that we're going to see this passage this morning is in three points, in three parts. Number one, we want to see, uh, we want to be defining, defining sin. Then number two, understanding sin. And number three, combating sin. So let's go to number one, defining. I want you to pay attention to verse three. We have it on the screens. You have it in your Bibles. Chapter three, verse three. God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And here we find the very, the very basic definition of what sin is. Sin, basically, it's disobedience to God. Plain and simple. Disobedience before God. So in this verse, we see that God gives specific instructions. God marks specific limits. And God explains specific consequences. So he says, you can eat of all these trees, but of this particular tree, you will not eat. Specific instructions, specific limits, and then specific consequences. If you eat, then you will die. So basically what we can do is you take anything that God has said. When God has said, you shall not blank, and whatever you put in the blank, it's sin. We can take the commandments, you shall not lie, you shall not steal, you shall not murder, commit adultery, covet. And all of those will have the same consequences. Lest you die. Specific instructions, specific limits, specific consequences. Now, if this is... Not hard to understand. I don't think that's hard to understand. Then the question is, why is it so hard to observe? Why is it so hard to observe? Anything that God has said no to, it's disobedience. Anything that God says don't do this, then it's a commandment. And disobedience that commandment is sin. See, if God says don't do this, when God says no, that becomes a commandment immediately. Specific instructions, specific limits, and specific consequences. Because every time that we say no to what God says no, we're saying yes to what God says yes. Again, this is not hard to understand. So when I was reading and when I was preparing for this, it was, if this is not so hard to understand, why is it so hard to observe? And... This will take us to right away point number two, understanding sin. See, something happens 
in the heart of men. God created the world in perfection. God created Adam and Eve in his own image. There was beauty. There was harmony between God and men until men sinned. So chapter 3 of Genesis changes the story. There is a disruption in the perfect order that God created. There was chaos. There was chaos in the order. And of course, God is, has to do something about it. If you are the kind of person that you love to have your living room nice and tidy and organized, or your desks, some people love to have their desk pristine. And you know that if someone moves something out of that place and puts it in another place, that, that creates something. I've been at uh, Jonathan's office, uh, Jonathan Cerez, our pastor of worship, and he has several frames there. And if I go and move the frame a little bit, just like this, suddenly his eyes are no longer on me. He's like looking at me and looking at the frame, waiting for the opportunity just to bring it back to the place. Because you have order in your things. My, my wife, when she is cleaning the house, um, she likes, I don't know why some people like to, I mean, when I, when I sweep, I sweep and then I take the, all the dust and everything put in the garbage. She likes to do like little mountains. Like she brings everything. I don't know how many of you do that. Little mountains. And then at the end, she brings to the little mountain and dust and picks up that. So sometimes I'm just walking and I don't see the little mountain of dust. <laughs> and I just go over it. And suddenly there's a scream like, no! And, I'm, and I get scared. I don't know what happened. I'm stepping onto the little mountain of dust. That is called disruption in the order of the house. <laughs> if you're like that, you know what it feels. God just created the world and made it beautiful. And suddenly there's disruption in this beautiful harmony. Adam and Eve sinned before God. And this, God comes, this is beautiful of a God. God always takes the initiative. And he comes after men. Always. And then in the passage that we've seen, God is going to ask a series of questions to Adam and Eve. And you have to ask yourself this. Why is it that God asks questions? Doesn't he know everything? So the reason why God asks questions is not to know things. It's for us to get to know things. His questions are more for us than for him because he already knows the answer. So I want to point to four questions that God is asking to Adam and Eve after this um, disruption in creation because I believe that each one of these questions is pointing towards something in our hearts. It's teaching us something. It's telling us something. Let's look, let, let's look at the first one. Genesis um, 3, verse 9. But the Lord God called to the man after they ate the, the fruit and said to him, Where are you? Where are you? Now this, in my understanding, this refer, refers 
to the displacement of my allegiance. Sin is a displacement of my allegiance. Again, why is God asking, where are you, if he knows where Adam is? Adam is. God sees everything. And you can say that God is taking the initiative, seeking Adam. You can say that God is also alluding to the shame and fear that Adam is showing because he, he's hiding, the passage says, because he's feeling shame. First time the mankind experiences shame and guilt and fear. And God is asking that question. But you can also say that God is pointing to the reality that Adam, Adam's allegiance to God is no longer where it was before. He has been changed. He has been displaced. Has been displaced by Adam's disobedience. Sin is always a displacement. Something happens in your heart when you sin. You're no longer there where you're supposed to be. In the, in the case of relationships, when there is sin in a relationship, where there is unfidelity in a relationship, the person, it's there, but it's not there. Because the, the allegiance, the loyalty, the bounded two people together, it could be marriage, it could be, it could be a work environment situations, you are working for a place, but then suddenly you have done something wrong and, or something dishonest, and you are there working, but you are not there. Something moved in your heart. Your heart is no longer there. So it, if we see this this way as a displacement, if we see sin as a displacement of our allegiance, then we can understand that Adam and Eve left Eden before Adam and Eve left Eden. Before God drove them out, they already left that in their hearts. Question number two, verse 11, first part of verse 11. God, he said, who told you that you were naked? This is indicating the distortion of my identity. See, Adam and Eve were naked before they sinned, right? They were naked before. How come they didn't feel embarrassed or shame? It's because when they opened and they went against God, again, this disruption in their hearts, in their allegiance, allowed them to see themselves in a different way than they saw themselves before. This is creating a different perspective that they have on God and that they have on themselves. Because before sinning, they, they were seeing themselves through the eyes of purity. They were pure. The look that they have before the, the fall, it was pure. There was purity in the garden. Sin tainted that. Sin created an illusion. Hence, the distortion of our identity. They're not seeing themselves as they were created originally. They're not seeing God as the one who's absolute. Now they say that they know better. And that creates all sorts of complications. See, this is why 
when either someone has done something to you and you retaliate and there's bitterness in your heart or jealousy or envy, many times you end up seeing things that they're not there. They're not real. Suddenly, everything that everyone is doing, it's against you. And you know what I have learned? Many times that's not the case. That is just how you're perceiving it. Because the sinful heart now is creating this illusion. And is distorting the image of your neighbor. Is distorting the image of you. Is distorting the image of God in your life and in my life. Uh, this weekend, uh, if you follow technology, you know that uh, Apple just released the Vision Pro, which is a new device that you will, it's pictures of, of goggles that you put in front of you, and it's a super powerful computer right there. Um, so it's no longer enough to see our devices here, now we're going to have them here. Uh, now, I need to say, I love technology. I love technology. Me and my sons, I have two sons, and we have, when, when Steve Jobs used to, develop, used to uh, unveil a new Mac years ago, my sons and I, we were there with popcorn and everything. It became like an event for us. Um, with the years, uh, technology is, is it's all over the place. But this is becoming something that no one has seen before. And the thing that interested me the most is I'm watching several videos about the creators and the influencers that have access to this, and they're, they're making videos telling you what is it like to be in this. Because the whole point is this. You put these goggles on. If I put them right now, I will see you, all of you. Like a, but then I see a floating, floating screens, like a computer. But they're in front of you. And, and now I can do whatever I have to go do on the internet. I don't need a keyboard. I just use my hands because this thing has sensors all over. So if I go like this or if I go like this, it's taking me to different places. So, so in the future, uh, we're no longer going to see people just like this. We're just going to see people walking like this. Uh, I guess that's where we're going as a, as a human society. Um, but my point is, not let me grow. I'm excited about trying one of those one day. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be soon because they're super expensive. But uh, this is what, this is what it, it got me thinking about this. Uh, the influencer, uh, the one who's making the video, is saying this. It feels so real. Because if it seems like you're looking through a glass and these um, screens are floating. But he says this, but that's not what is happening. Because this thing doesn't have glass. It's, it's covered. It's tiny monitors. So what is happening is there's a lot of cameras all around that are capturing what's out there. And you see it almost as if it's just a Glasses, but it's not glasses. He, saw the, he says this, it's a projection. In a sense, it's not real. 
it's a projection of the reality. And that's why in that projection of that reality, all these gadgets and apps can float around. And when I heard that, it was like, wow, that's precisely what sin does. It, it allow, it, it, it's tricking us into thinking that we're still seeing reality. But we're not seeing reality. We're seeing a projection of it. And that's why it becomes a distortion. You don't see yourself. That's why people that are uh, people that struggle so much, and so many of our younger generation that struggle so much about their appearance, is be precisely because of this. The sin in the heart of man of not trusting that God gave me and made me the way that he wanted to make me. But there is something, there is fear, there is shame, there is guilt, that now when I look at the mirror, I, God see beautiful creation. I don't see that. I just see ugliness. I just see fear. I just see anxiety. It's a distortion of what God intended us to be. That's what sin does. And look, it, it, it keeps going. It keeps going. Second part of uh, verse 11. Another question. God now, God now is asking this. Have you eaten of, the, eat, eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? So you did precisely what I asked you not to do when I gave you all these fruits? Did you eat the one that I told you not to eat? We're not the other ones enough for you. So this speaks of the discontent of my soul. You know that every sin, when you go deeper into sin, every sin is discontentment. Every sin is discontentment. We don't like this way. God says no to this. Somehow, I don't like that. I don't like that he said no to this. Now I want to say yes. Why does it have to say why does it have to be no? Why God knows better? What if I want to try it? What if everything that God said, see, God said no to this, but God said yes to all this. Remember, every other tree in the garden, they were able to eat and enjoy. But not this one. So, this is, this is, this bears the question. Let's ponder this for a moment. Everything that God gave Adam and Eve in the garden, everything they could eat, and now the one single tree, he hauled them, it was out of reach. Was that too much to ask? The, the passage says that the woman saw the fruit, and she saw that the fruit was good for food, was a delight to the eyes, and was desire to make one wise. And if you remember a couple of sermons ago, Hannibal made the emphasis that what God made, it was good. And in fact, it was very good. But for men, for Adam and Eve, there was one problem. Even though what God made, it was very good, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. 
because of the discontentment of their hearts. See, once there's discontentment in the heart, there's nothing you can do. Because God gave them everything and it still wasn't enough. You, if you see it that way, sin, at the root of sin, is this discontentment with the goodness of God. Because if God is good, if He is, and He made all these things good for me to enjoy, suddenly it's still not enough. I need to have this other thing that He told me not to. I need to do this other thing that he asked me not to do. It's the discontentment of our souls. Sin is discontentment with the goodness of God. And he has the power to make something that he was very good into not good enough. See, sin is dangerous. Sin, that's why sin is evil. Sin is not just a fault. It is a fault. It is a bit disobedience. But, but the ramifications, they go so much deeper into our hearts. Let's go to the last question. Verse 13. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? What is this? That you have done. Finally and ultimately at the core of the sin is the distrust of my devotion to God. In the end, sin, it's about worship. It's about worship. Sin is more than just a mistake. Sin is who I decided to worship in that moment. And it was not God. Pastor John Piper wrote this. Sinning is any feeling or thought or speech or action that comes from a heart that does not treasure God over all other things. And the bottom of sin, the root of all sinning is a heart that prefers anything above God. The discontentment. The distrust. And then... Pastor Piper adds, what is sin? Sin is the glory of God not honor, the holiness of God not re revere, the greatness of God not admire, the power of God not praise, the truth of God not sought, the wisdom of, of God not esteemed, the beauty of God not treasured, the goodness of God not savored, the faithfulness of God not trusted, the promises of God not believed, the commandments of God not obeyed, the justice of God not respected, the wrath of God not feared, the grace of God not cherished, the presence of God not prized, the person of God not loved. Saying, my brothers and sisters, is not something like disrupts the whole creation. It displaces us from our worship and allegiance to God. It brings all this discontentment in my soul towards God. He gives me this distrust of God and His goodness. The Apostle Paul will write it this way when he's writing to the 
Romans. In chapter 1, verse 21 to 25. For although they knew God, speaking, referring to mankind and sinful mankind, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, hence the distortion of identity, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, since that to us. And exchanged the glory of the immortal God, exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forevermore. Amen. Ultimately, sin has to do with who are we worshipping in that moment. Theologian Leslie Newbegin said, sin is unbelief. It turns man from God to a false God himself. So every moment that we sin, there's actually a moment of worship happening right there. It's interesting that uh, the first murder in human history, we read a portion of it, Genesis 4, a brother killing his brother. It happened in the context of why they, how they thought God should be worshipped. The first murder, the first moment of antagonism between two brothers came in the midst of how are we going to worship God, came in the midst of a service worship. See, sin goes wait. See, we think that sin is waiting for us outside the doors of the church, but sin comes right in and it follows us. Because it's not something outside of us. It's a discontentment in our hearts. And we carry it. And every moment when we sin, in that moment, there's a worship service happening. When Sergio sins, if I, in that moment, I desire or I end up saying what I'm not supposed to say, looking what I'm not supposed to look, thinking about what I'm not supposed to think, in that moment, what is happening in Sergio's heart is a little tiny worship service where Sergio is worshiping and the object of worship is Sergio. And I say, Sergio, you deserve everything. You deserve the glory. You deserve everything right now. You are ultimately, you rule. That's what happens every time we sin. I'm telling myself, I know better than God. That's what Eve did. That's what Adam did when he followed and ate. God said no to this, but who's God to say no? Maybe I know better. So in this moment, I decide to do what God said not to do. And that's why, my brothers and sisters, sin is not lightly. If you are in sin, repent. 
Return your allegiance back to God. Restore your identity in Him. Bring joy to your soul. Allow God to bring back joy into the soul. The joy of salvation, David will write in Psalm 51. Surrender your devotion fully to God and God alone. How do we do that? Let's go to our point number three. Combating sin. How do we do this? How do we do this? Look what it says, chapter 4, verse 7. If you do well, this is God now speaking to Cain after Cain killed his brother. Remember, after he kills his brother in this act of worship, God comes to Cain and says, asking for his brother another question. And then God is telling Cain, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, Sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you. But you must rule over it. So God is saying there's also a place in your heart, a conscience, an understanding of the fear of God that you have. And sin, this discontentment is coming over. But you can rule over it. And God is not saying that sin is like, like a something Yes, God is comparing sin like a beast, but he's telling Cain, you can rule that beast. So sin is not a something, it's a distrust, it's a discontent in my heart that God wants to realign. But, but how? That's the question. How? How do we do this? How God is going to do this? Remember the part of if God says no to blank, don't do this, you shall not blank. Least you die. Least you die. Look at what verse 21 of chapter 3 says. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. God. God made. He didn't tell them, now you go find something to Put them on top of your nakedness. God made garments. Garments of skin. Where is it that he got this skin? Someone had to die. There were some animals that died. Because God says, don't do this, lest you die. Someone has to die. In the end, dead it's the only way to correct this. Either death is the consequence of sin or death becomes an instrument of mercy and redemption in the hands of God to bring us back to Him. So this is the first moment that we see God extending mercy and grace to mankind when He Himself made garments of skins, and then he says, and he clothed them. And those two words are so beautiful. God clothed them. Because this is the heart of our God. It's a God that even though he's his word has not been honored 
and sin has been uh, a rising up of myself going against God, he, in the end, extends mercy, finds a way to show mercy. Someone dies, and God makes a garment, and he clothes I want to invite you, as we prepare our hearts, to come to the table of the Lord. To hold in your heart this reality. The sin is something that is not, wait, it's not something that just happens to me. It's my own discontentment. It's my own distrust in God that, that displays me from his presence. Then distorts how I see him, others, and myself. And the only way to escape this, it's either die as a consequence of, or that someone will die for me. I would invite you as we're going to hear this worship song. Hold this reality in your heart. Let's pray. God, we humbly come to you realizing that our disobedience, our lies, our covetousness, our jealousy, our enviousness, our anger, our impatience, it's not lightly. It brings disruption to this beautiful creation. We come before you, Lord. And we ask for your mercy, for your grace, your forgiveness. We deserve death. Thank you for providing a way for us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. Amen. We want to respond to God's word with a special hymn that we hope touches your heart, uh, perhaps for you today, perhaps for someone you know, and we pray that it will be a blessing for all of us. So let's stand and sing. If you don't know it, I believe it's in your worship order, so it's a great one to use the worship to follow. Oh, sorry. 
Someone died for us. Someone took our place. And he bore on himself the holy right, wrath of God that we deserved so that you and I can be set free from the power of sin in our lives. It is beautiful. 
and it's amazing. I want to invite you to take your seats and if you have your cup for communion, this is the moment when we come and we feast on this truth. We have been forgiven. We have been forgiven. Communion is for us then this holy, sacred reminder that someone died for me, spilled his blood, his body was broken, so that I can be set free from the power of sin in my own heart, so that I find all my contentment in God and God alone. First Peter 2.24 says, He, Jesus himself, bore our sin in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. I'm just going to give you a brief moment just to ponder of this truth. The Bible says that we should not take communion lightly. If you are a believer, if you have confessed your trust, saving trust in Jesus, then you might participate. If not, I will just uh, respectfully ask you to abstain from it. We take a moment of reflection and we thank God for what he has done. says that in the night that Jesus went to die for us, he took the bread, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples. You can take, peel the top part, take the little bread, and in remembrance of him, we eat. Scripture also says that he, takes, he took the cup and says, this is my blood that I'm sharing for you and for your sins. Drink it and remember of me and give thanks to God until the day that I come back for you. So in Jesus' name, he's remembers. We drink. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this beautiful gift of salvation. A new beginning, new birth in your name, Jesus. Father, we give you praise and we thank you for your love. The beautiful love of God the Father. Let's please stand and sing one more time in response to this truth. Let's sing. 
How deep the Father's love That's the truth we need for this week. Be blessed, church. Receive God's benediction today that Jesus won for us. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth and your salvation among all nations. With Bible Church, you are sent. We love you. Mm -hmm.